Welcome to the Mosaic Church Podcast, where we share with you the message of hope and love that lies at the core of the Christian faith. Our weekly sermons delve into the teachings of the Bible and how they can impact our daily lives, inspiring us to journey together towards a deeper understanding of God's infinite love. Join our community of believers as we embrace the power of faith and embark on a transformative spiritual journey. Mosaic Church in Mableton, Georgia exists to lead people to an authentic relationship with Jesus Christ to help them change the world. Now, please enjoy this message from Pastor Broderick Santiago, lead pastor of Mosaic Church. are earthly stories with a heavenly meaning, right? That's very Christianese, right? Earthly stories, heavenly meaning. But honestly, they're really, 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 what, what, what Jesus did is he took what was relevant to the people at the time to get a very important kingdom message across to them. He would begin, if he was speaking with people who were farmers, he would talk about the agriculture. He would talk about planting seeds. He would talk about harvest to them in order for them to get the deeper message. So let me just say it this way. It's taking what is practical and, and real and tangible in your world. It's taking that and showing you the heavenly meaning behind it. That's simply what a parable is now 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 let me get scholarly on y'all so y'all can know that I am qualified to do this I did have a little bit of schooling in me uh parable comes from actually two words the word itself is it comes from two words two two greek words and 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 it, and it means this alongside or simply to compare it's a comparison it's 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 simply to compare to to bring some things together the two Greek words that make up this one word parable is simply alongside or to make a comparison. It's simply to say the life you're living, the way you're living, if you think your life is good, the kingdom is even better. Let me show you how. And then he begins to talk to the farmer. Like when you plant seeds and you're looking for the harvest and all of a sudden they got their attention. Like if I began talking about football to a lot of men in here, I got your attention, especially if I knew some real stuff. But I don't talk about football because I don't know much about it except for that you throw a ball that's made of pigskin, the other person catches it, and then everybody else tries to tackle that person before they cross this line called the goal line. After that, I don't know much more. You can't ask me about positions because I won't know. I know the wide receiver. I know the the quarterback and uh, the guy that they hand the ball off to. He runs with it. Oh, the running back. And then there's a guy that kicks it. But what I don't understand is why do we call it football when we rarely use our feet? Okay, that's another that's another sermon. <laughs> I don't understand that. That's why I don't talk often uh, or use, for my story, sports. I use a lot of music because I'm a musician, and I can talk music all day. I use history because I'm a historian. I love history. I use the Bible because I love the Bible. I can talk about that, but I don't do that. But Jesus used what was relevant and what was current to the people at that time when he spoke in parables. Did you all know this? That that Jesus is the only one in the New Testament that spoke like this. Paul didn't. John didn't. Peter. Nobody else spoke. Jesus was the only one who spoke in parables. 
Let me share something else with you all. One-third of everything Jesus said was in parables. One-third of all of his messages was parables. One-third. That's a lot of speaking. As a matter of fact, whenever he addressed large crowds, he spoke in parables. Whenever he addressed large crowds, he spoke in parables. When he spoke to the Sadducees and the, and the Pharisees, he used scripture. Isn't that interesting? Why? Because that's what they understood. They weren't out there getting their hands dirty. One-third of all of Jesus' messages are in parables. Parables. Why did he speak in parables? Why? Why didn't you just, I mean, he, he was full of knowledge. He was full of wisdom. He was scholarly. He was a theologian. Why did he speak in parables? Why not just drop the knowledge on them? Two things I want to share with you. Jesus speaking in parables literally fulfilled prophecy. It literally fulfilled prophecy. Matter of fact, in Matthew 13, 34 through 35, if you have your Bible, you can join me there because this is not in your notes. If you have your Bible, how, how come I'm the only one turning pages this morning? All right, amen. He says this, watch this. I done spoiled you. I always have your notes ready for you. I spoiled you. 34, 35, he says this, watch this. This is what they say. Jesus always used stories and illustrations like these when speaking to the crowds. In fact, he never spoke to them without using such parables. Watch this. This fulfilled what God had spoken through the prophet. The prophet is Isaiah. If you go back and read the book of Isaiah, Isaiah prophesied this. Jesus, and this is why he does it. He says, I will speak to you in parables. I will explain things hidden since the creation of the world. Jesus spoke and taught in parables, number one, because it fulfilled prophecy. Number two, it helps you, me, the reader, the listener, to understand the kingdom of God from Jesus' perspective. If you listen to his parables, all of them were, 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 were totally about kingdom living. It was all about another place. It was all about a heavenly place. It was all about doing things in God's order, in a kingdom order. Every time he talked about, uh, when he used a parable, he always tied it to kingdom living. So one, it fulfilled prophecy. Two, it helps you, the listener, you and I, to understand the kingdom of God from Jesus's perspective. Today, this is the most important parable that I'm going to share with you. If Jesus spoke one-third of his messages in parables, this is what it's all about, baby. What I'm going to share with you today is the very first parable that Jesus talked about. Some of y'all may know it as the parable of the sower, where, where, we, where he talks about the, 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 the sowing uh, the seeds and then the farmer dropping seeds on the road and some fell on a bed. I'll break all of that down to you in scripture. This is the most important one that I'm going to share with you. This kind of sets the tone for everything else. Not everything else that I talk about for these next several weeks, but everything I talk about for the rest of the year. Because he says something that's very important in here, and I'm going to share that with you in one moment here. The parable of the sower, you can find it in the synoptic gospels. If you're not familiar with the synoptic gospels, there are four gospels in the New Testament. There's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. John does not have any of the parables. John just always went a little deeper. He gave a different perspective than the others. 
But the other three in the Synoptic Gospels, you can find this parable specifically written exactly almost the same way, except with the exception of in Mark, he goes a little bit deeper and shares one line, which is one of the most important lines you'll have to get. And I'll share that with you in just a second. You find these parables in the Synoptic Gospels, all three of them, you find this parable, the parable of the sower. I'm going to read with you in Matthew 13. And uh, it's, it's, it's pretty long. I won't read all of it. I'm just going to paraphrase through it. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read as much as I can, and then we'll talk about it. 13, verse 4. Listen. As soon as he says listen, he's trying to get your, your, your attention. He wants you to catch this. Anytime Jesus says listen, or if he says something that has to do with, I want you to hear this. Anytime he mentions hear, listen, he's really trying to make sure you get this. This is important in other words, okay? He says listen. A farmer went out to plant some seeds. As he scattered them across the field, some seeds fell on a footpath, and the birds came and ate them. The other seeds fell on a shallow soil with underlying rock. The seeds sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow. But the plants soon wilted under the hot sun, and since they didn't have deep roots, they died. Other seeds fell among thorns that grew up and choked out of the tender plants. Still, other seeds fell on fertile soil, and they produced a crop that was 30, 60, and even 100 times as much has been planted. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. Anyone with ears should hear and listen and understand. I'm going to skip down. I'm going to skip down. I'm going to go down to uh, verse 13. He says, that is why I use these parables. For look, they but for they look, but they don't really see. He's talking about the people. They hear, but they don't really listen or understand. Here's the part I want you to get. This fulfills the prophecy of Isaiah that says, when you hear what I say, you will not understand. When you see what I do, you will not comprehend. For the hearts of these people are hardened and their ears cannot hear and they have closed their eyes. So their eyes cannot see and their ears cannot hear and their hearts cannot understand and they cannot turn to me and let me heal them. Watch this. I'm going to jump over to Mark. I'm going to jump over to Mark. Everything I said probably just went over everybody's head. I get that. But watch this. This is, what, this is why it's important. This is that important line that Mark adds that you got to get. Mark 13. Mark 13. Mark 4, verse 13. Mark 4, verse 13 says this. Then Jesus said to them, get this. If you can't understand the meaning of this parable, how will you understand all the other 25 plus, probably hundreds of other parables. If you don't get this one, the most important one, the first one I'm going to share with you, how will you get the others? And this is what I'm going to say to you all. Today, you've got to get it. Today, you've got to get what we're talking about, and I'm about to take you there. If you cannot understand the meaning of this parable, how will you understand all the other parables. So he's telling us about these seeds that have been planted. They fall on four different types of soil. Today, I want to share with you what those soils mean. Now, here's the good news. 
You don't have to stretch far. Matter of fact, everything I'm teaching you is going to come right exactly, which it does every Sunday, but today really, directly from the Bible. In other words, if you don't take notes today, all you have to do is go back to the scripture that I'm sharing with you today to understand what I'm talking about. Because right now, Jesus is going to break down exactly what that parable means. Literally going to tell you what each soil represents. And I want to help you with that today. The soils, the four soils represent a heart condition. The four soils represent heart conditions, four different heart conditions. If you're taking notes, this is your first note. You want to get this. The four heart conditions. The first one is hearing with a hard heart. Hearing with a hard heart. Matthew 13, 19. The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message about the kingdom and don't understand it. Then the evil one comes and snatches away that seed that was planted in their hearts. That's directly scripture. He just told you what that first seed, that seed that fell on a road that was trampled on and the birds later on ate it, ate that, those seeds. That seed represents the person who hears the message but does not understand it. Well, what does that mean? Because a lot of times people say, well, I don't, I don't understand King James. I'm not talking about understanding it in that context. Understanding how it actually applies to your life today. Understanding how the very word of God transforms, saves, heals, redeems. How the very word of God is real. And the very word of God is alive and true in your life. And that is all you need. You don't need a self-help book. You don't need Dr. Phil. You don't need your best friend. You don't even need your pastor. The very word of God is all you need. That is the understanding that this word is talking about. Let me break it down for you. The seed has been trampled on and our spiritual adversary, that's the devil, snatches it up before it sinks in. Sin is what causes a hardened heart. Now, I know there's no sinners in this room, so this may go over your head, and that's okay. But if you know a sinner, share this message with them because it's important. Sin is what causes a hardened heart, and a hardened heart will sin even more. A hardened heart will sin even more. Virtually everything described about God in the Bible will be offensive to a person that has a hardened heart. Even the good stuff. If a person have a, has a hardened heart and you go saying, you know what, God forgives you. Nah, he don't forgive He don't even know me. The heart is so hard. The, the world has got them by the, by the grips of the, has got them under their control. Nothing good you can say that comes from the Bible will bless somebody who has a hardened heart, who refuses to accept that God is the only answer. And there are a lot of us and a lot of people you know that have heard the word, and I'm going to go even deeper. There are a lot of us and a lot of people you know that grew up in church. Daddy was a pastor. Daddy was a deacon. My granddaddy was, you know what I mean? They know the word. They've had the word poured in their heart, in their lives the entire time, but that was not enough. Sin controlled them. Now, your sin may not be like my sin, but my sin is a sin and yours is too. All I'm trying to say is there is no certain weight to sin. Sin is equal across the board. Sin is sin. He doesn't separate sin. He doesn't separate murder from theft. 
He doesn't separate theft from lying. Sin is sin. And that's what hardens our heart. If you judge somebody today, you sin. Your heart is now hardened. How much harder is it for you to receive the message of God when your heart is hardened? If somebody pees you off because they took your favorite spot, you were going to pull into that parking spot to go into the store to get what you needed to get. They saw you with your blinker on, but they took your spot. You just left church, by the way. That seed just got eaten up by a bird called the parking spot. You get where I'm going? I'm just trying to make it plain for you. Because, because if we don't get this parable, we won't get any of the others. And all he's simply saying here is that there are seeds that are planted not just on Sunday. There are seeds that are planted in your life all the way when Big Mama Nim was praying over you. All the way back in the times where they were laid, putting oil crosses on your forehead. The seeds have been laid, but we've allowed life to get in our way. And we forget just how powerful the word is. And a bird called depression sneaks in our life. A bird called anger management sneaks in our life. A bird called adultery sneaks in our life. A bird called whatever it is. We allow these birds to eat up the seeds that have been planted in our lives and we have to really really go back to the word we cannot allow these things go back to the word God is really all we need that's good preaching this morning if I may say so myself your response to the word is directly connected to your understanding of its significance Not understand. You don't have to understand the word. You just need to understand how significant it is in your life. Your response to it is directly connected to how much you understand its significance in your life. That if you really understand that all I need is Jesus, I don't need nothing else. The old folks used to sing a song like that. As long as I got King Jesus, I don't need nobody else. Come on, y'all know that song. And that's the truth. As long as I've got Jesus, I don't need anything else. No birds will eat up the seeds that were planted in me long before I was born. The Bible says that he knew us when we were in our mother's womb. He knows the exact number of hair follicles on our head. The seeds have been planted. Stop letting birds eat your stuff. And the only time they eat your stuff is when you don't realize (laughs) the significance of the word in your life. I'll, I'll move on to the next point. That's... That's good. The second thing is, the second condition is hearing with a shallow heart. Hearing with a shallow heart. Matthew 13, 20 and 21 says this. The seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. In other words, ooh, that's a good word. That's timely. Yes, that's exactly what I needed. But since they don't have deep roots... They don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. Again, I don't think I don't think I'm talking to anybody in this room today. But if you know somebody, share this message. The church is filled with people just like that, y'all. It may not be you. It's too quiet. Don't make me think it's you. The church is filled with people like that. Shallow hearts are attracted to the joy and excitement of the church. You know that? Let me explain that. Shallow hearts are attracted to saying, I go to church on Sunday. Let me check the box. 
So when you're around other people and they say, All right, uh, uh, what do you do? Oh, I go to church and uh, I, I feed people during the week. Uh, you know, I'm part of a mission that does this and blah, blah, blah. But, I, you know, all of this stuff, it's just that other thing that you add to the things that you do. It's that other thing that makes you feel significant in life. It's the thing you add to, to, to your good card. In other words, you can come to church, say the right thing, do the right thing, but that's not enough. And there are a lot of people in the church that are like that. You know the ones they got like the fish on the back of their car. Jesus is my homeboy t-shirt. They love to rock the what would Jesus do wristbands. They're blast. I mean, they actually, when they pull up next to you at the stoplight, they turn up 102.5 the fish or, you, or whatever, 102 praise, so you can hear them playing their Christian music. But they have so much sin in their lives. They've not forgiven somebody who've offended them. Haven't read the Bible since it was read to them. Forgot what it means to say prayer except for during this, before they eat their meal. Oh, it done got quiet. I know I'm not talking. They'll make me think I'm talking. Y'all don't get quiet on me now. Amen won't hurt every now and again. Seriously, there are a bunch of people in the church that are like that. The church is filled with them. And this is what I'm talking about. This is that person. I love the Lord. God is, God is everything to me. He's heard my cry. He's got my back. But then they get a pink slip. And all of a sudden their faith is withered. Oh, God is everything to me. I, I got more faith than, listen, I got so much faith I can share it with you. I got a boatload of faith because I know that without God, there I am nothing. But as soon as you face something in your life that doesn't add up with your own goals, your faith is gone. As soon as something is taken away, you find that you have to replace it. And God is saying, what about me? Perhaps that thing that was taking away, perhaps that thing that you so-called lost was God's plan in the first place to give you something even better. But you done gotten away and tried to figure things out on your own. Aren't we filled with the church full of people like that? Who are so good, they can pray, they can pray all of the sin out of you, but not themselves. They can shout and sing. Man, they know every single hymnal. They know the Methodist hymnal, the Baptist hymnal. They know it all, the Catholic hymnal. They're saved, but they can't save themselves. They're Christian when it's convenient is what I'm trying to say. I want you to see that I'm a Christian. I want you to know that I love the Lord, but then I want you to watch them when some stuff hits their life and see if they still wear that badge of honor called Christianity. That's the mark that I'm talking about. And there are a lot of people who are like that. They hear the word, but with a shallow heart. The problem at its core is persevering faith and obedience in the face of persecution. I'll say that again. The problem with these people at its core is persevering faith and obedience in the face of persecution. Break that down for me, Pastor. Be sure. I don't mind. I'll do that. Persevering faith. 
when you are faced with calamity. Persevering faith when you even have doubt that God will respond. Persevering faith when it don't look like he's responding fast enough. Persevering faith when your friends look at you and say, where is your God? Because he hasn't showed up on time according to their timeline. Persevering faith when you see the world around you falling apart. Persevering faith when you see Christians dying because they just want to be Christians. Persevering faith that God will save all people if they just come running. Persevering faith in the face of adversity. Persevering faith. And obedience. I love that word because in the middle of that word, if you spell it out, obedience, in the middle, right in the middle of that word is a three-letter word. And that word is die. What does that mean? In order to be obedient to God, you have to die to yourself. You have to die to your comfort level. You have to die to what you think is right. You have to die to the cultural demands on your life. You have to die to even your own selfish desires. In order to be obedient to God, you've got to die to some fleshly stuff. Good God, I'm preaching this morning. Third point. Hearing with a distracted heart. Hearing with a distracted heart. Watch this. Matthew 13, 22. The seed that fell among the thorns represents those who hear God's word, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of this life and the lure of wealth. So no fruit is produced. Man, that's a good word. Because here's what I know. Somebody in here right now, this is going over your head because you're thinking that tomorrow is Monday. I got a boatload of work to do. And if I don't get it done, I got deadlines to meet. Right now, somebody's sitting in this room right now and they're late on a bill and they don't know how they're going to meet it. I don't know who that is. But right now, they're sitting in this room worrying about their finances. And this word, this great seed that God has given you is going right over your head and falling on the wrong type of soil. Whoever that is, don't let that fall on the wrong soil. You better fertilize that today. This is a word for you. I guarantee if you just trust God, he's going to meet everything you need today. That's his promise. I don't know a God that breaks promise. I've read the Bible from the beginning all the way to the maps, and I've never seen a place in there where he broke a promise. Never. Never have I seen him break a promise. Never, ever have I seen him renege on a promise. Everything he said he was going to do, he did. And watch this. He did it for generations upon generations upon generations, and he's still doing it today. And when you're dead and gone, he'll do it for your generation too. It's a fact. The only thing that changes is us, not God. So when we look over our lives and we don't think that he's responding the way we want, we need to look at ourselves. What am I doing? Am I in the way of his response? I'll... That's another message. I got off on a tangent there. Somebody is distracted this morning from that. Isn't it interesting that in this particular scripture, the seed that fell among the thorns represents those who hear God's word, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of this life and the lure of wealth. Isn't it interesting that the two thorns represent worry and wealth? Do you know that they're first cousins? Matter of fact, I think they're closer related. They're brothers and sisters. You see, if you want wealth, you're going to worry about how you attain that wealth. And once you get that wealth, you worry about how to keep that wealth. And, and once, you, once, you, once you figured out a way to keep it, now you're thinking about, well, how am I going to pass it on? We always worry about it. See, I don't, I, you know, I'm not one of them people that want to be rich, financially at least. 
I don't. That's why I give away every time I can. I, 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 listen, I'll stay broke. I don't care. I'd rather give it away. Because guess what? When I die, I cannot take that in my grave with me. When I die, I cannot carry anything material with me. Now, I know people have these lavish funerals where they do certain things like that. But the reality is you can't take it with you. Yeah, you can put my favorite gadget in the, in the, in the grave with me, but I can't use it. I've already departed this place. I'm already up in a place where I don't need a gadget to fulfill me. I'm hanging out with Jesus himself. We up here having a good time. We partying like no, the turn. It, listen, they don't, you don't have to say turn up in heaven because there's never a turn down. It's been up from the very beginning. That's good. Listen to what I'm trying to tell you. Too many of us chase wealth. Okay, and if we're not chasing wealth, we're chasing status. And if we're not chasing status, which is tied to wealth, let's be honest, what neighborhood you live in, what school your kids go to. Come on, I'm going to preach this thing this morning. If we're not chasing status, which is also tied to wealth, we're chasing something. And the only thing we need to be chasing is Jesus. I know that's easy for me to say because I'm the pastor, but I wasn't always a pastor. Oh, my goodness. You know how they say if, if, if we wrote down every single word that Jesus said, there wouldn't be enough uh, volumes to create for us to read. Listen, if we wrote about all the sin in my life, it would be just like Jesus' parables. It would be that much. I'm a transparent pastor, visitors, so welcome. You are in a place where imperfect people and the most imperfect person is your pastor. I am not perfect either. I am full of sin too. I've, I've, I've done some things and I've chased wealth and worried about keeping wealth and worried about uh, keeping status. But none of that matters to me. None of that matters to me. What is your legacy? If you die tomorrow, how will you be remembered? Mm, it got quiet. I don't blame you. That's what I said when I said it to myself. If I die tomorrow, how will I be remembered? I may have a few mentees that may have said a few good words about me. I may have a few. Some of y'all might come to my funeral and make some few, a few good remarks about me. But how will I be remembered for centuries to come? See, I don't want, my, I don't want good remarks. I want my great, 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 great grandchildren to open up a book and read about the great things that I did here, not for just me, but for the kingdom of God. And say, wow, I'm glad to be a Santiago because Broderick Maurice Santiago, this is what he did for the kingdom. And I want to be just like Broderick Maurice Santiago and do the same things. What is your legacy? Don't be chasing money. Don't be chasing wealth. Watch this. There's so much scripture against it. Matthew 19, 23 says, I tell you the truth. This is Jesus talking. I tell you the truth. It is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. As a matter of fact, he goes on to say, it's like trying to squeeze. uh, It's easier to squeeze a camel through the eye of a needle than it is for a rich man to go to heaven. That's crazy. Have any of y'all ever really seen a camel in real life? Okay. and, And have you seen a needle, the eye of a needle? He wasn't talking about a camel-sized needle. He was talking about a regular sewing needle. Now, back in the day, their needles were a little bit bigger, but certainly a camel can't fit through there. And he wasn't talking about the plastic toy camel. He was talking about the camel they were riding on probably right before he started preaching this thing. For a rich man to get into heaven, 
It's easier for a camel to be squeezed through the eye of a needle. You know why he said that? Because that rich man will take, try to take that wealth with him to the grave. In other words, he ain't going to let that wealth go. He's so concerned about money. He's so concerned about status. He even tells a story about another rich kid that says, how can I be down? I'm just paraphrasing here. How can I be down? How can I hang out with you, Jesus? He says, I tell you what, little rich guy, you're so cute. You want to hang out with me? Sell everything you got. What do you think the rich kid did? He ran. I got to get rid of my DS3. I got to get rid of my Beamer. I got to get rid of my castle. Oh, and all my gear. And that, that, that. He cried because he had to get rid of stuff. He would rather hold on to stuff than hold on to a savior. And it then got quiet because a lot of us are just like that. I'd rather hold on to my stuff and let go of the Savior. I'd rather hold on to my status and let go of the Savior. I'd rather hold on to my money in the bank instead of giving it to a church or an organization that can bless thousands of others. I hate when I start talking about money. Y'all start getting quiet. Truth of the matter is... A lot of us are like that rich man. My lifestyle is far more important than the Savior. It's a great story, Broderick. I've heard it preached in the Bible a lot of times, but show me some proof. Show up on Easter. I'm going to break it down to you why Easter is a big deal and has nothing to do with Easter bunnies. You want to know if this Jesus is real? Every Western religion acknowledges this man named Jesus. Okay, that means other faiths that are not Christian acknowledge that Jesus was a real man that died an innocent death. All right, that's another, that's another sermon. Jesus is real, y'all, I'm telling you. And if I, listen, if you say I'll give you all the money in the world today, Broderick, for you to give up pastoring, I would literally, I'm not lying to you, I would literally ask you, well, can some of the money go to church? I just want to still go to the church. That's my first question. They say none of it can go to your church. Give it up. Give it up completely, but you have all the wealth in the world. It's nothing apart from Jesus. I'm being honest. I know that. Y'all know that. How do I know y'all know that? Y'all watch the news. Y'all know celebrities that have died filthy rich, but died because they couldn't find peace. They couldn't find happiness. They couldn't find that thing they were looking for. So they turned to drugs. They turned to sex. They turned to alcohol. They turned to whatever because they couldn't find what they were looking for. All they had to do was open up the Bible. They would have been good. All they had to do was call out on Jesus and stick with them. Stick with his plan. Stop being tempted by the world. Anyway, I, I can preach that thing all day, but we'll move on. There's nothing wrong with riches. I just got to say that. There's nothing wrong with it. I think God wants us all to have a little bit of wealth in our lives, whatever that means in your own world. There's nothing wrong with it. The problem is, is whether it's distracting you from God's plan and purpose for your life. That's when it becomes a problem. When your wealth distracts you from God's plan. Let me get to the fourth point and we're going to wrap it here. The fourth condition is hearing with an expectant heart. This is where I want to get us all to. This is the spot I want to get us to where we're hearing with an expectant heart. Let me read scripture, Matthew 13, 23. The seed that fell on good soil represents those who truly hear and understand God's words and produce a harvest of 30, 60, or even 100 times as much as had been planted. What does that mean? 
What does that mean, hearing with an expectant heart? In other words, when I hear the word, and Pastor Broderick, when you tell me that God has never, ever broken a promise, I really believe that what he said he would do for me, he will actually do. So as I leave this place today, no matter what kind of poo-poo comes my way, I can shield it off because God said he was with me. Let me give you some scripture. God says, no matter what, wherever you go, I am with you. No matter what you need, I'll provide for you. He's promised to provide all of our needs. So that right there kills your worry. Because what happens is you're not worrying about your needs. You're worrying about the things you desire. Anybody in here worrying about food? You don't have to raise your hand. If so, we will feed you today. I don't think many of us in this room are worrying about food. If you are, we'll handle that today. Anybody in here worrying about shelter? If that is you, don't raise your hand. We'll talk about that later. But I doubt that any of us are worried too much about shelter. Anybody in here worrying about transportation? Don't raise your hand because if that's you, we'll talk about it. But not many of us are worried about We got here. We get to work during the week, even if it's public transportation. As I've said before, and I'll say it again, if you have access to public transportation, if you have a shelter over your head, if you have a change of clothes, you have more than one outfit, do you know that you are among the world's top 1% of wealthy people? Oh, y'all didn't know y'all was rich, did y'all? Yeah, you live in America. You rich. Even if you pour according to America's standards, to a worldly standard, you are wealthy. This is why people are trying to bust through our borders and get in here because they want what you got. Listen, to go get an education in Haiti costs you money. They don't have a public school system. So what if I don't have any money? You dumb. I'm being honest. Because this is, I've I've, I've been there several times. I've sat and talked with men that are working five jobs, literally to make $20 for one week. And half of that pays for their kid to go to school. And you don't want to talk about the homes that I've seen in Northwest Haiti. My garage, your garage, your storage unit is bigger than that. Why? Because My kids' education is more important than how I live, than my lifestyle. Oh, y'all are rich. Y'all are rich. We are very rich in this country. And I think that if we pause and realize just how rich we are, we'd have a different perspective. And I want us to be the ones who hear this word and have an expectant heart. Stop worrying about first world problems because that's all you're doing is worrying about first world problems. Whatever your worry is, it has everything to do with your status. It has everything to do with how well you're doing in this country. And other people are worrying about far more. There are people that don't have a house. There are kids that don't have shoes today. They don't want shoes. They want Jesus. There are people in Ghana, West Africa right now. My friend just got on a plane yesterday to head there. There are kids there right now that don't have shoes, literally hungry, can't wait to see Mr. John and, and, and all of his friends that are coming there. Why? Not because Mr. John is bringing them shoes. God, Mr. John is bringing them Jesus. And he brings it to him on a device that looks just like this. And it's a cartoon in their own language. They're waiting to see Mr. John, not because he's bringing them shoes, but because he's bringing Jesus. Can you imagine Seeing a line of people 
outside of this building. Not because we were giving away free food. Not because we were giving away free Christmas items. Not because we were giving away anything. They were just outside the door because they realized, you know what? I need to get that. Jesus right now to me is just as important as the air that I breathe. And if I don't get in line to get some of that, I'm hopeless and helpless. I pray every day that God causes a major revival to sweep this freaking country, man. I'm serious, y'all. I pray every day that he causes a revival to sweep the land that we know where people are literally standing in line, not because of anything beyond a need to be with Jesus. Yes, I may be hungry. Yes, I may be homeless, but I really want this Jesus fella in my life. If you don't get this parable today, my brothers and sisters, not everything that I say for the remainder of these few weeks will you miss. You will miss every single message that I share the remainder of this year. You will miss every single message that you listen to from even other pastors. Do not have a hardened heart. Do not listen with a shallow heart. Do not listen with a distracted heart, but accept God's word with an expectant heart. Thank you for joining us today. Our prayer is that Pastor B said something that moves you closer to Jesus. If you enjoy listening to our podcast, we would like to invite you to follow us on social media at Mosaic Mableton and visit us on our website at wearemosaicchurch.org. You can learn more information about our church, ways to support our ministry through financial donations, stay updated on upcoming events, and find resources to support your spiritual journey. We would be delighted to welcome you in person on Sunday mornings to worship and connect with others. Our doors are always open to those seeking a place to grow and explore their faith. Thanks for tuning in and may God bless you on your spiritual journey.